tuned in to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. And in today's show, we're going to discuss an F word, family. Many of us had a big dose of family dynamics over the holidays, and we thought we'd talk about how we can shift things more towards the positive. But first off, we're going to play a whole ton of tunage. Normally, we play about an hour, and this will be no different. We're going to start out with The Dark Side by Tim Minchin and Back in the USSR, live with Billy Joel. Next, I'm going to be by The Proclaimers and Confidence Man by the Jeff Healy Band. And then we'll be back. Hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. And this is the first episode of 2019 for us. So welcome to the new year. Welcome to you, Anna, yes. on the new year. Hoping ah. that uh, everybody has a better 2019 than they did 2018. Well, considering what's going on south of the border, it's definitely getting interesting. Yeah, but I feel like... We are making some progress. I'm not really, I I can't put my finger, put it that way, on the specifics of why I believe that, but I do. I think that we have had our face sort of rubbed in the muck for the last year. And it's giving us all clarity on what we want to create for the future. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's a hopeful sign. So speaking of clarity, we actually wanted to talk about our experience at Christmas time. And for those of you who have listened to our show in the past, you've probably heard me beak off a bit about Christmas and New Year's. I grew up in a fundamentalist cult and I had, well, Christmas was just not a positive experience for me. Our belief system didn't celebrate it. And so when I was in school in elementary, um, yeah, I mean, it was absolutely brutal when kids would be working on their ornaments for the tree, doing various art projects. I was required to be removed from the classroom and I would basically sit in a desk and stare at the wall for an hour or two while they were doing art class. That's just one small example, but being incredibly different compared to what was normal around me, Christmas really created a lot of angst inside of me. And so I carried that forward into my adult life and I left the cult a long time ago, but it was really easy for me to see just based on my experience as a child, just how corrupt Christmas has become. It's become a holiday based on, well, just buying stuff and it's lost a lot of its heart, but Before I continue on that particular rant, I have to say that my experience this last time was considerably different. And I want to thank Anna's family, Lawrence and Donna and their kids and grandkids in particular, because I saw what Christmas should be. And so I tip my hat to them. It truly was a time of sharing 
it was absolutely incredible seeing the amount of generosity that went on between them and the gen- genuine affection. And so, yeah, I, it was a really good experience for me. And it was probably the most positive experience that I've had at that time of year. And we should probably clarify, it's not like this was an excessively materialist celebration. Uh, The generosity tended to be in things that were really tokens, tokens of affection rather than big ticket items. Yeah, and I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. It really was individuals reaching out to the other family members and determining what they really would want. And a lot of these things were not super expensive. Actually, there was nothing that was really expensive in terms Mm -hmm. of the gifts, but it was obvious that they gave a lot of care and attention to what they bought. And And they were honoring each of the people in their particular skills or their particular gifts or interests, which I thought was really nice as well. Yeah. I learned a lot about my family in watching what people chose to give the various individuals, actually. Explain. Well, there were things, hidden talents I didn't know about that other family members did know about. Yeah. So, or hidden interests or, or things that, you know, it was an inside joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I got to share in those stories. So I learned a lot about everybody. And for me, it was really cool because it had been several years since we'd gone back to Alberta to spend the holidays with your family. But what I thought was really cool was connecting with your, uh, well, I guess your brother's grandchildren who mm-hmm. are... Would be my great aunt or great niece and yes. great nephew. And they are great, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the boy, Ethan is definitely an overcooked ham. He's going to go a long way as an actor, I would think. And then Samantha is just a really down-to-earth, she's really talented as a as an athlete, but she's also a, a really talented artist. And it was really interesting to get to know them as they've grown up a little bit, because sometimes it's hard to connect with young children that you've never had any kind of connection with in the past. And you say hello and you have a good time, but you don't really connect with them. But I felt this time around that I really did connect with them. And I'm really glad that I did. Mm -hmm. Very sweet souls. Yeah. I guess it would be grandniece and grandnephew. I don't know. What's the terminology? Whatever. Who cares? It's just a label. (laughs) They're really cool souls. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Both of us have been kind of decompressing from our experience because... It, as she said, it was a learning experience being immersed in the family dynamics that were really, really positive. But there were also some dynamics that weren't so positive. And I think Anna wants to touch on this at this point. Well, I'm sure if you've listened to our show, I don't talk about it a lot, but I, I do have some interesting history with some of the members of my family. So there's some abuse patterns there. And to I say just, the least. I just wrote an article um, about the patterns of abuse within families that have had multi-generational dysfunctional patterns. Mm-hmm. And so sitting 
and observing my own family, it was interesting to see those patterns and the way that they play out. And it made me think about that, that we might be able to help other people to sort of take a step back and see their own families and those patterns that support and allow abusive behaviors uh, that don't honor the members of the family, but rather disempower them. And that gives us all the opportunity once those patterns are identified to begin to break them down. Exactly. And the thing is, too, is most of us or many of us have gotten together with family over this over this last, last holiday time. and a lot of these things are fresh in our mind the experiences the exchanges that we've had mm-hmm. and so we thought today it was good to address this in terms of our experience and then hopefully it will touch on your lives and it'll get you thinking about the dynamics that you've recently experienced you know when when something has become so a part of you especially things that you've been trained into as a child that you don't even see them. I mean, when I talked about my own experiences of being abused as a child, uh, my first awakening to that was because Jeff as an outsider observing my family for the first time saw these patterns that to him were very dysfunctional, but to me were normal. Should we give them an no, example? No, let's not. It's, there's, okay. That's a whole different show. But the reality is that quite often when we have been conditioned to ancestral abuse, these are patterns that have been passed down through generations. They have become so normal within the family mem- members and the family system itself that we don't even see them. And it often takes an outside perspective to see them. But I thought perhaps if I just pointed out some of the patterns that are sort of typical within a dysfunctional family, it might make it possible for you to look back at your experiences over the holidays and see some of those patterns if they exist. Um, When I first had my attention drawn to them as Jeff did back 20 years ago, almost, Mm -hmm. I, um, I had to take a break. I had to step back from my family and really take the time out to re-examine my memories from this new perspective, from this new paradigm. And this is what I'm suggesting to you is now that you've seen your family in close, close proximity, look back at that experience and see if you can spot any of these patterns that really do allow abuse to exist because as we have been talking about over the last year, we have had some social patterns embedded in our culture. And as you know, outsiders, it's a lot easier to see those patterns in the U S but this, this habit of, for instance, uh, fermenting fear, in our culture is what allows someone like a Donald Trump to be elected because people are afraid of what's different and they want to protect and they go into this hate and blaming. And 
and that allows this very dysfunctional pattern to exist. Well, the same things go on within our own families, perhaps on a smaller scale. But if we can heal our individual family groups, then that translates into a shift in society in general. And if I can interject here, it's important to come from a place of love and forgiveness. So you're not doing this with the intent to judge and condemn those who you deem are in error. Well, exactly, because really you've been a part of this group and by participating in the dynamic, you're a part of the problem. And we all have these patterns embedded in our in our psyche that really don't serve us or serve the people around us. And that's only up until the point that we recognize that they exist. If you don't do anything once you know how destructive that pattern is, then perhaps I would say, yeah, you're part of the problem. But But it takes a lot of courage sometimes. I mean, when you've been beaten literally or verbally abused or whatever the situation is from Mm -hmm. a very young age, it's really hard for the inner child. You can be be well into your 60s and still have that rawness inside of yourself. Yeah. But I can say from personal experience, and I think I can speak for you as well, Anna, that when you are willing to take those steps, no matter how difficult, no matter how scary it is, when you actually are willing to stand up for yourself, to know that you're standing for yourself, standing for your children and their children, or nieces and nephews, or whatever the situation may be. Yeah. The reality is when you break these patterns in a family, it has a ripple effect. And that's why it's such a powerful thing to do and Mm -hmm. a scary thing to do. Mm -hmm. And that's something also that I, I really saw over the holidays is how much my family has struggled to grow and in spite of in spite of the people who have been unwilling to shift yeah but it's it's not an easy process i'm not suggesting that you can just go oh well all right i'll just do something different there and that'll be the end of it it's it's a a real learning process and it's an unfolding it takes time so what Anna has done is she's written an article. Uh, she used to write for a magazine last year. Both of us have stepped back from outside obligations. The show is a, enough of a responsibility for us. But what she's going to do is share some of the content from that article because it is appropriate for what we're talking about right now. But before we do that, we're going to take a musical break because... Yeah, we're about 15 minutes into this and we want to just get a chance to recollect, recollect our thoughts. I don't know. It's, uh, I think I need more coffee. But anyway, we'll be right back. So we're back. You're listening to Shift Happens with Jeff and Anna on Kootenai Co-op Radio. 93.5 FM in Nelson. And we are talking today about the patterns of dysfunction within our families. And the point of this conversation is that if we can recognize the patterns, we can begin to shift them. And by healing our own 
and healing our families, we can shift society. Yeah, and the really cool thing is the things that we've been studying over the last year or two is, and again, this is a belief system, so if you don't agree, that's fine. But our belief is, is that by healing the present, you can actually have a retroactive effect on your ancestors. And so it creates even more motivation for us to get our shift together mm-hmm. because we can heal the past in addition to the present and the future. Yeah, I mean, we are getting a bit into metaphysics here, but uh, we have been reading a lot about uh, the ability or the reality that we all do create our experience with the thoughts that we hold habitually. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those habitual thoughts are things that are rather unconscious, but they still create your reality. So if your reality is something other than what you'd like it to be, the, the best way to deal with that is to first look within and see what, what thoughts you're holding habitually yeah. that uh, might not be in alignment with the future you want to create. So anyway, just to get some clarity here, we're talking about the various characteristics of a dysfunctional family and things that you might recognize within your own. And um, I'm just going to go through a really uh, short list of things that... I have seen within my own family and others around me that are particularly dysfunctional, but there are plenty more. Um, One of the the main characteristics that I've always noticed about my own family is that outsiders, people who um, don't know us well, see the family and the family members very differently than they actually are. So there is a difference between the public face and the private face of the family as a whole and individuals within it. Very common. Jeff is nodding his head because I think when he first met some of the uh, members of my family, he did see them in in that way, that public light. And I remember him making some comments and and thinking, "Uh, yeah, just wait till you get to know them. Yeah, your parents were really nice to my face, but when I found out what they were actually saying about me behind my back, I must admit it took me out at the knees. It Mm -hmm. more or less ripped my heart out. Speaking of, that is another typical characteristic of, of not saying what you really mean within the group. um, There are, you'll share certain things with some family members, not with others. Often, saying something different behind someone's back than you're saying to their face. So there is this duplicitousness, which is very confusing and very divisive within a family. I remember when I had to set boundaries with my parents and say, okay, it's no longer okay for you to come here and talk about my siblings in a way that only reinforces my negative ideas of them. Yeah. And not tell me the positives, not tell me a true picture, but try to warp my relationship with them by focusing only on the negative. And I realized that this was happening with all of my siblings, that each of us were getting a very distorted picture of the other mm-hmm. through my parents. Mm-hmm. And that, once we put a stop to it, really changed the dynamics between us. For whatever reason, what comes to my mind right now, too, is I was the black sheep of my family, 
And my eldest sister at one point was the black sheep. And I think about as an outsider looking in and when sometimes the things that a family will share is when they point the finger at the dysfunctional Mm -hmm. relative Mm -hmm. and they paint this picture and, and then you see this person supposedly misbehave they are behaving incorrectly mm-hmm. in spite of the family being so nice and and wonderful why is this person so reactive and it makes me realize too that there are probably a lot of family secrets in that system as well do you know what i'm saying where the person that's acting up is doing it for just reason but, but they're doing it based that. on a private discussion, a mm-hmm. private judgment that happens within the family. Right. And they're just willing to <laughs> expose it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what it, what it does is it makes that person, it makes them labeled to be that much crazier where the truth is all they are is just the barometer for the overall mm-hmm. communication that's going on within the family. That's an interesting comment because it it reminds me of something that I realized with our youngest son at one point. Yeah. That he was the barometer and there are there's always one person in the family who acts in that way. Mm-hmm. They are perhaps the most emotionally sensitive or I don't know, maybe the the least stable. I'm not really sure and I'm sure that the reasons for that change, but there's somebody in the family who acts out when things are going on under the surface that are not being resolved and they are like the alarm bell Mm -hmm. and we all tend to be annoyed with them or, you know, label them as the family crazy or whatever. But if you pay attention to that one person, you will often have a very good clue as to what it is that needs to be worked on. Well, in my opinion, it's the one that is the most feeling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The most sensitive. They can hear the words. They can be in whatever environment that, you know, they can share that environment with their friends and family, but they're the ones that feel the discrepancy between what is said mm-hmm. and what is actually meant. The energy of it. Yep. And I started to see that as a huge gift to yeah. be able to tune into what that person in particular was feeling and 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 then know, okay, there's something that needs to be dealt with here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes especially when they're young children, they just act out and they don't tell you or they don't even consciously necessarily they don't know, know why. But yeah. they know that there's something going on that is making them agitated and they will act up. So super useful useful person in the family, but not always the most loved. Or the easiest to get along with either. Right. Because that's the problem too. And and I know this from personal experience. When you come into a situation where you know that everybody's judging you, no matter if you're behaving well or not, mm-hmm. you're just hypersensitive to the fact that you know <laughs> that you've got to walk a really fine line to avoid their criticism. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to a certain point in your life, you're a certain age, you just say, why bother? Yeah. This is the way they see me. So why not embrace being the devil? 
Sounds like you've got some experience with this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So another characteristic of dysfunctional families is secrecy. Wanting to keep secrets uh, outside of the family, as in we don't share our dirty laundry with others. Yeah. So the the face that the family shows with internally and externally is different again, or sometimes also keeping secrets within the family. So you'll be told, Oh, well, so-and-so this, that, and the other thing, but don't tell so-and-so and so-and-so mm-hmm. that kind of um, trying to control the flow of information. That's a, a very strong indicator of an abusive situation. And that's def- definitely a, a generational thing. I know my parents did it, and I know a number of other yeah. friends that are my age, they have the same experience. Well, we've had this conversation recently. I think that a lot of these negative dysfunctional patterns are really a result of the war, Second World War. Um, and probably the First World World War was a, the, the source of that dysfunction. But this was... In a, terms of secrets? In terms of a lot of those kinds of dysfunctional patterns, uh, the um, the imbalances of power, the fear-based communication, the the manipulation through negative reinforcement that that our generate our parents' generation believed that if they focused on your negative traits, that would be motivation for you to not do them. Whereas we understand now that positive reinforcement is a much more effective tool. But those were patterns that were established in that uh, just, it was a traumatized generation. That's the reality. Yeah. And unfortunately they did not typically do a whole lot to heal that. In my experience with the people that we've talked to, very few. Yeah. I I do think they didn't have the tools. So for me, that makes it possible to, to see the dynamics, to recognize the dysfunction, but to not judge the, the judge harshly, because I do believe they just didn't have the tools. Mm-hmm. And we have evolved. You know, I have this conversation with people who believe that society is de-evolving or that we are somehow degrading into chaos. But I think we have evolved. I think the the reason we don't see that is because of the the focus in the media and social media, but I do believe we have evolved as, as um, a society. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I, it's hard to believe that when you look at the surface of things, seeing what's going on south of the border and various things going on around the planet. But overall, we are getting a collective belly full of what we don't want. Mm-hmm. And that's an important step in order to know what we do want. And we are far more willing to cooperate with others to co-create, if you will, to create what we want together. Mm -hmm. So to get back to the dysfunctional family traits, another one of those is not wanting to bring outsiders in. Uh, I know for myself as a young girl, I didn't want to bring friends home. I didn't want them to see um, or be exposed to my father's abuse, frankly. and Because you knew what he would potentially do to them too, yeah, right? Yeah, I didn't want them to be traumatized. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even though I didn't really recognize that I had the power to stop him or that I um, was necessarily living in an intolerable situation, I, 
I knew that it wasn't balanced enough that I didn't want my friends to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And even now I see, uh, you know, when, for instance, when you're going to bring your boyfriend home or your girlfriend home and you have this, Oh no, you know, how is it going to, how, how's everybody going to deal with this? Yeah. When you know that your family is going to be a problem when you're bringing home a new person, that's an indication that there's some dysfunction there. Better hang out in the tree for it. Yeah. Right. Or let's go to the movies. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So another um, sign of a dysfunctional family is an imbalance of, of emotional states in, in my family quite uh, the the more prominent trait is to be shut down emotionally, yeah. to be very um, incapable of expressing emotion, love or otherwise, even incapable as we were noticing this time, there were times when my father did things that we all should have said, wait a minute here, that is completely inappropriate. But we we're all kind of just stunned in the moment. Well, and there's also this conditioned fear that we touched on Mm -hmm. your collective experience, you and your siblings was such that if you did call him on his stuff, that his response would be over the top Mm -hmm. and you would live to, for, for, you know, you wish you'd never done it. Right. Yeah. So that pattern, even though we're at a stage in our lives where that's really not the reality, he doesn't have the capacity to mm-hmm. taunt us for years over something we just said. Um, there still is that inner child. There though. is that inner child. And I saw it happening in myself and in my other siblings uh, that we all don't want to create an, a, a scene, right? Yeah. So we don't say what we're feeling. We don't express what we're feeling. But what was so cool, backtracking a bit, as I said, I had a really positive experience from the whole thing. When the morning started, I don't know, we showed up 10 o'clock or something in the morning. And that's when the gifts were being opened. And there was this warmth that was going on between all of the family members. But Anna's parents had not arrived yet. And so it was just amazing. Like you could, you could feel it. It was incredible. The amount of genuine love that was in the room. And then all of a sudden her parents arrive and it was just like, holy crap, (laughs) this, this weight, this darkness, if you will, descended. And then everybody was on edge, edge. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And yeah, it was it was amazing. It was a very dramatic illustration. Yeah. For sure, for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so carrying on with our list of dysfunctional behaviors that you might spot within your own family, another one is lack of boundaries. Uh, quite often when there is a pattern of abuse, members of the family are not allowed to maintain appropriate boundaries. So they're frequently crossed. And, um, and that was illustrated to me when my father said something really inappropriate, which I wasn't there to hear about. But when you mentioned it, and under normal conditions, in a normal situation, uh, the people in the room would have reacted by saying that was really inappropriate. 
and it's not something that you should be saying in the presence of your grandchildren or Or your great-grandchildren. Anyone, really. Exactly. But that response didn't happen because Mm -hmm. those boundaries don't exist because they have been crossed over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, And we have all been conditioned to not have them. And this is where I would like to talk about what happened a few years ago with Anna. She came to a point with my strong urging to establish some boundaries with her parents. And so instead of allowing them to show up for a few days and spew their negativity and bash the other members of the family and do abusive things, clearly abusive things to you when they were there, your father in particular and your mother allowing it, what happened was Anna and I, I did my contribution as well, but she wrote a letter that basically said, these are my boundaries and you're not allowed in my life anymore because I cannot tolerate you disrespecting me. And it was a huge step. And when you did it, I know it wasn't an easy process for you to do. But the fact that you were willing to have the courage and to stand in in that, and of course, I was there to back you up. A number of years went by. What was it? Four or five years before you ever heard from your parents again. And then one day, I think they they actually initially reacted by trying one more time to cross my boundaries, Mm -hmm. and then. But you proved when that. I reinforced my yeah. message, they acknowledged that I had, uh, but that they had no choice but to obey my wishes mm-hmm. because I moved and I didn't give them my new contact information. So then, yeah, I didn't see them for quite a long time after at least seven years. I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. But when they came back into my life, every time they, they asked, they asked through my brother and I would ask him, has anything changed? Do you think they are likely to honor my boundaries? And Mm -hmm. if he said no, then I would say, no, I am not willing to have you back in my life. Eventually they reached a point where my mother actually reached a point where she was not willing to take no for an answer. And so I said, okay, with limit, you know, with a, um, a, a, a very clearly defined structure. I'm willing to meet with you. And of course my father crossed my boundaries again. Um, and I had to reiterate my boundaries. I had to do my best to make it clear. But you were also backed up by your son. You were backed up by your other fa- family members. And even your mother at that point mm-hmm. did stand up for you finally. Yes. And because my mother stood up for me and I saw progress there, Mm -hmm. I continued to try with my father and to develop my relationship again with my mom. I was willing to forgive right from the very beginning, but the difficulty was that my father kept re-attempting to abuse me. It wasn't a done deal. He hadn't just done something once and then 
that was it. He, every time I was in contact with him, would make attempts to do something inappropriate. And that's where there was a lot of conflict because her mother was making an effort, Mm -hmm. but... My father wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my own personal journey and I had to decide, uh, is it worth it to pursue my relationship with my mom? Is it worth it for me to put up with my father? And I struggled to make and maintain boundaries with him every single encounter. But I did, and I made progress. I forgave myself for the times when he managed to get through, Mm -hmm. and um, I continued to try. But the problem is, okay, after allowing that relationship to come back Mm -hmm. to whatever degree, the problem is, is that when we're thrown into an environment with other family members now, and you can clearly see that your father and your mother together are having such a hugely negative effect on the family. And when we as innocent bystanders don't say anything and allow it, Mm -hmm. it's almost like we're part of the abuse. We're used to standing up for ourselves. And that's where my conflict was. Yeah, it's difficult when you're then involved involved with other family members and, uh, well, the dynamics get more complicated, right? Yeah. You have to figure out, do I, do I stand up for them? Is there a role for me where I should be doing something? Or do you let them stand up for themselves? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's an individual decision yeah. really. Um, and I in think, the end, I think we did strike a balance in that. Yeah. I think anyway. Yeah, but from, for myself, being in that environment for all that time, it motivated me to write a letter that is on its way right now. Right. And who knows what the effect is going to be. But I have to answer the call in my soul, in my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I took action on behalf of the family. And yeah. because, yeah, to him that knows to do good and doesn't not, it's sin. That's my only Bible quote that I'm going to hurl at you today. For those of you who know me from listening to the show, my degree is in theology. And I remember about three or four verses in the entire book. (laughs) There are two other characteristics that I just wanted to mention briefly. And um, that is unnaturally mature children or unnaturally sensitive children or both. Um, quite often in a family where the children are forced to be the adults, they are unnaturally mature. It's like, you know, little grownups in many bodies. Yeah. That's a very clear sign that there's some dysfunction going on. And, um, and the other one is unnaturally sensitive children uh, because they need to be so hyper aware to try to anticipate where the next blow is going to come from. Yeah. And, and that's really where I was at as a child, was learning to be super attuned to everything that was going on around me. I was me too. I walk into a room of people, if I can handle being in a group of people, mm-hmm. and I can immediately 
feel where everyone is at. And because I've got a performance background, I, my past proclivity was to entertain, to take on a whole bunch of energy and become the life of the party so that I could control the environment, get everybody laughing. Right. And as I've aged and from doing the show, we've been doing the show for almost six years and my old patterns came back and Anna and a few others gave me shift for it because I was being overly humorous, whatever. But I mean, it's okay to be funny, but yeah, if, you're using it as a a, if you're using it as a defense mechanism, it's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was doing. And so, and I found myself though in, in that environment and, and I will pat myself on the back based on what happened this last, well, a couple of weeks ago at the uh, family get together, I didn't go into that role at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that I had to entertain. I just took on the, the spirit of what was going on around me. I participated somewhat quietly. Sometimes when we were playing cards, I got stupid, but that's just my shtick. But yeah, I think I did strike a balance and I pat myself on the back for that. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I mean, it's not easy to, to come into my family. Yeah. And especially when you already had issues with the whole Christmas celebration. Yeah. And, and another person within the family, uh, someone grafted in as well, ha, you know, Jewish and also mm-hmm. not uh, super comfortable with Christmas maybe. But we, we made have it about reiter- family. Yeah, I have to reiterate, your family is not easy just from the standpoint of your parents. Yeah. I think your your brother and your sister-in-law are amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that we spent time with them. And that's the cool part is, is that as you grow up and you're willing to talk about what really happened, mm-hmm. that's when the conversations get real. Yeah. And we are finally talking about the past. And it's interesting because we have different memories of different events. And we are able to fill in gaps and and help one another understand what really happened. And it's been really healing mm-hmm. and and really amazing. And really none of that would have happened if we hadn't started deliberately, both of us, trying to break those patterns. Yeah. And it's never fun being the the one that has to, well, be point, if you will. Yeah. But... Sometimes, I mean, (laughs) I know for myself, I just feel it. When I was in that environment with your family, my gut was just screaming. And speaking of screaming, why don't we play some ACDC? No. Uh, Maybe not. (laughs) We'll find something and then we'll be back. So you're listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. And we're approaching the end of our show for this week. But Anna wanted to share some more stuff with you before we say goodbye. I just wanted to wrap up. So we've been talking about sort the what a dysfunctional family looks like, just based on um, our experiences over the holiday. We've thought it would be a useful exercise to just talk about what kinds of behaviors you see within a family that are indications that 
or set the climate maybe is the, the appropriate way to put it where abuse can exist. Um, and I wanted to wrap that up by saying what a healthy family looks like. A, a healthy family is one that is loving and nurturing. And I can think back to the day, Christmas day before my parents arrived yeah. was a perfect example of a healthy loving family i tip my hat to lawrence and donna yes because despite being raised in abusive families they were able to raise their own family without that as a component or certainly significantly reduced and it's never too late you know sometimes we recognize mistakes that we made when we were unconscious it's never too late to fix them they they made mistakes with their own children. We made mistakes with ours, mm -hmm. but we reached out and we healed those things. And then their children had healthier children yet. So it was a really lovely experience to be in that expanded family setting where there were healthy boundaries and everyone was being truthful and playful. And if it, disagreements came up, we were able to have a conversation without anybody feeling threatened without emotions becoming inappropriate there is no double standard for the parents and children in a healthy family yeah. you know i remember that very clearly the rules were different from for the parents than they were for the kids mm -hmm. there was a level of respect given to adults but not children children are meant to be seen and not heard is mm -hmm. what my dad used to say Another thing that comes to mind that I saw this this last holiday and and I was very heartened to see it is the easy praise, the easy expression of affection because my mom was very shut down emotionally and was is yes. She's trying and I want to yeah. honor that but yep, I agree. But that inability to express affection and the assumption that your children will know that you love them even if you don't express it i'm sorry but they don't necessarily assume that it's an important thing to be able to say i love you and well especially when you're being corrected all the time mm -hmm. there is no void right there's no vacuum they're either saying good things to you or they're saying things that you need to change and our generation or our parents, it was always about the things that you needed to change. Mm -hmm. Spare the rod, hate the child and all of that crap. Yeah. And that brings to mind the last thing in that list is it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay yeah. to acknowledge that you made them and say you're sorry. I was terrified to make a mistake because the reaction was so over the top. Yeah. And so it was really difficult for me to cope as an adult when I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I became a perfectionist because of that. I think that's a really good reason why I'm HD ADD. <laughs> right. Right. So if you recognize these dysfunctional patterns, mm -hmm. um, whatever they are, I'm not saying that you have them all, um, but even one of them is is a sort of a breeding ground for problems. My advice to you would be to really consciously think about how you might break the pattern, how you might do the opposite. If you are have not been allowed to maintain healthy boundaries, set your boundaries. And if I can add to that, when the exchanges are recent, 
Okay. Mm -hmm. We can go back two weeks and remember what happened Mm -hmm. during the, the Christmas break for us. And yes, if, if I was to be able to go back in my mind right now and say, all right, faced with that situation, this is what I do. This is what I would do differently. And you run this over and over in your mind until it becomes second thought. Even if you have to say the words over and over again, I mean, practice makes perfect. So and this then when you're faced with that, up. no, it's, it's to empower you. It's to say, okay, when I'm faced with this kind of situation again, then I am going to have the courage to say this. And if you've practiced it, you're not having to think about the words. You've mm-hmm. practiced it and you've felt into those words. So it's not just empty words going into the air. There's actually some energy behind it. And then all of a sudden, when you do that, when you stand in your power and you express yourself, well, then all of a sudden your confidence goes through the roof Mm -hmm. because you've, you've done it and you survived that little child that's afraid of getting beaten over the head. Well, Hey, this guy didn't fall in on me and they actually changed their behavior when I stood up for myself. And that's not necessarily going to happen the first time. No. Well, they'll test it just like your your dad did, right? Mm-hmm. When you wrote the letter, they still tried to force their way in and you had to say, no, go away. And something that I was thinking about um, on this particular occasion was how differently I feel within my family group now than I did before. Yeah. I felt before, especially when I first started talking about being abused, when nobody wanted to acknowledge that it happened. Um, Everybody wanted to just keep it a secret, shove it under the rug. uh, And it was uncomfortable and it made everybody uncomfortable. And I knew that I was the person there making everybody feel uncomfortable. That was really not a fun time to be interacting with my family. But... We've but the all... magic that's happened in your family, mm-hmm. your siblings, the ones that I know, I don't know your sister, but I've seen them make some huge shifts and stand up for themselves mm-hmm. and the level of confidence. And these are very competent individuals, people who've made a lot of money in their careers, but making a lot of money and actually being confident as a human being are two different things, Mm -hmm. but they've made some serious, serious shifts. And before we end this for today, if you're thinking, how can these people, how can Jeff and Anna be talking about their family? Okay. Airing the dirty laundry. Mm -hmm. And you could say, well, it's betraying the, the confidence. It's betraying the family secrets or whatever. But that's precisely what we're trying to avoid here. And we're recognizing that we are all connected. We are all one. We are all God, if you will. And don't burn me at the stake for saying that. And so by us simply sharing what our experience is, we know that there's at least one of you listeners out there that can appreciate what it is that we've shared today. 
Yeah. And that was something else that was really difficult for me because that was one of the rules in my family was we don't talk about dirty laundry. And, and when I began writing about my own abuse, I was keenly aware of breaking that taboo. But if I don't start talking about my experience, then I don't take the opportunity to help other people going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, so I've broken quite a few taboos in my family. In in order for shift to happen. Yes. But I really do feel like this particular holiday was a good example of how far we've come as a family, not every member of the family for sure, but as a group, we are much happier, much more able to express our love, much more able to communicate honestly. And, um, and that's only because a few of us in the family had the courage to start talking about it and telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So that's the end of the show. We would like to do a call out to Lawrence and Donna and their family. If you're listening to this, thank you. Thank you from me. A time of the year that's normally filled with a lot of angst was really warm and fuzzy. We love you all. And it was a pleasure to spend the holidays with you. Yes. And for those of you who spend time with us at New Year's, doing our New Year's show, Uh, We had a whole ton of people call in and express their appreciation. And we were so glad to hold space for you and to play some rockin' tunes and have some fun as we brought in the new year. So thank you for you folks, for our regular listeners who... You keep us coming back. Yeah, exactly. So that's it for now. You're listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna, and we wish you a happy 2019. And we'll see you next week. You've been tuned in to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. And during the last hour of our show, we played four songs. Stranger Than You Know by North Coat, Wise Up by Amy Mann, Our Time Will Come by Amy Winehouse, and When I'm Weary by Dave Matthews. Love that song. Yeah, me too. And we wanted to remind you that you can check out podcasts of the show on our website shifthappens.media or you can contact us via email at contact.shifthappens at gmail.com Shift Happens Changing Reality One Shift at a Time <laughs>